in looking at what Caesar Augustus accomplished and the story behind what happened after Julius Caesar died, when he was murdered by Brutus, the only heir that he had was his nephew, Octavius. And Octavius decided that he wasn't gonna rule the same way that his uncle ruled. And you know, his uncle was a dictator and ruled with an iron fist, but Octavius was actually going to work with his friends. And he appointed his friends as ambassadors and generals. And when they expanded out, those generals actually went in, some they conquered, but they actually made peace with everyone that was in the Roman Empire. And during the time of Caesar Augustus's rule, it expanded the Roman Empire above anything else that they could do before. And so really Augustus redefined the Roman Empire and what they were about. So in the same way that Augustus redefined the Roman Empire, we decided to name Augustus Redefined as we're redefining the cybersecurity industry as Black women who are seen as unicorns, but we are actually equipped to go out and build bridges instead of building silos. From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. My name is Caroline Wong, and I'd like to introduce today's guest, my friend and colleague, Octavia Howell. Octavia is currently the Information Security Officer for Equifax's largest business unit. She's an experienced leader who specializes in governance, networking, cybersecurity, and building operationally excellent, motivated, cross-functional, multicultural teams. Throughout the last decade and a half, she's held InfoSec roles at Freddie Mac and New York Life Insurance Company. I want to share a LinkedIn recommendation from a frequent internal client of the network security services provided by Octavia and her team for several years. We have benefited tremendously from Octavia's exceptional technical knowledge and service-oriented demeanor. In what some might consider an over-controlled and rigid corporate culture, Octavia has distinguished herself as a collaborative and very flexible individual, someone who would pause and look at the bigger picture before drawing conclusions. Many teams, my team and I had to rely on her expertise after hours, on the weekend, and in the middle of the night. Not a single time during all of this interaction did she ever hesitate to provide us with the highest level of customer service. I met Octavia through our mutual friends, Ife Davis and Keon Williams. Last night, I had the pleasure of joining Augustus Redefined, an organization founded by Octavia in an open discussion about the extremely relevant topics of burnout and self-care for security professionals. Octavia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Octavia, I understand that you believe that leaders should mentor, motivate trust, and lead their teams to act with integrity and openness. I've heard you say a team is only as strong as their leaders, and each leader casts a shadow that they will be held accountable for. I'd really like to know, how did you develop your leadership style, and why do you think this way? I think I'm, I developed my leadership style from several leaders. And I, one of the things that I believe in is that you learn from every interaction that you have. You learn things that you want to be, and you definitely learn things that you don't want to be. 
and and I've had several wonderful managers and I've also had some managers that I just did not click well with. And I learned a lot about myself and I also learned a lot about the type of leader I wanted to be. So for instance, I realized I did not want to be a micromanager and anyone who needed micromanagement was not someone that I could really, they, they would not be successful if I would, um, if they had to work with me. So I'm just very upfront and honest. And I also learned, you know, I had this amazing leader when I was at New York Life and his name was, uh, is Dave Castellani. He's still there. And he was a, he was a leader who really believed in casting shadows. And he also believed in speaking to every level of person, no matter where they sat in the organization. And so I learned a lot from him. I also learned a lot from other managers who I just frankly didn't want to be like. So in kind of looking and sitting back and understanding just how human beings work, you can always see, you know, how people are motivated or demotivated based on who their leader is. You also can see how people function well with each other and how teams collaborate better if they have a leader who is with them and will get in the trenches with them and really fight for them and and work with them. So that's pretty much my leadership style. I, I look at everyone as temporary, like you're temporary to be on my team, but you're not temporary to be in my life, right? And so I don't want you being great and going away and saying that I was a person who brought you down. I want you to be great and I want to hold you up. And I want to be the person who made a a bigger impact to move you to greatness, even if that greatness means being greater than I am. That's the leader I am. That's what I'm all about. That's incredible. I think you've actually really touched on a topic that doesn't get discussed enough on this particular podcast, which is that of influence. I think that as security leaders, we are so often in the position of influencing others and that some of the people that we most directly influence are the folks that work for us or the folks that we work for. And so thank you so much for those insights. You know, Octavia, I'd like to kind of press the rewind button and ask you about the start of your career. So I understand that you got your BS in computer science and mathematics from Spelman College. I'd really like to know, how would you describe yourself as a young person, even in your pre-college days? As a young person, I guess I would say I was, I was a nerd but not nerdy in this in the sense of socially awkward, but nerdy in the sense of I'm going to be the smartest person in this room and I'm going to I'm going to find the smartest person in the room and that's the person that I'm going to be. Right. It was kind of like my, my brother used to like pick on me and say I had a prison mentality. Like when they say, you know, you, people go to prison, they find the biggest person and they want to fight the biggest person. I was the person that wanted to find the person with the biggest brain. Right. And that person was going to be my friend and that was going to be my rival. And that was the person who I needed to be smarter than. And so, I love it. Is your brother older or younger than you? I'm just curious. He uh, my brother was 13 months older than me. So we were very close. His name is actually his name was actually Octavius. So this to me is fascinating. I happen to have recently watched a show that I love on Netflix called Never Have I Ever. And the main character is sort of that 
girl. She is the smartest girl in the room. And throughout her entire academic career, there is one other individual in her class and they're always sort of battling for the top. Do you think, as you reflect on that, do you think that was something that you just had inside of you? Was that something encouraged by your family or by your school or by your community? Where do you think that sort of drive and that desire to sort of be the best came from? I think it probably came from the fact that everyone in my family were like sports fanatics and they all played sports and I just never got interested in sports. I just literally was like, I don't want, I don't like getting sweaty. I don't want to get hit with the ball. Like I was good at soccer and I was good at volleyball, but then the moment it hit me in my head or hit me in my stomach, I was done. I didn't have the fight and the drive when it came to sports. Really, and it it wasn't that I didn't want to, I just didn't care. But what I did care about is academics. I did care about being smart and I did care about, about where I was going to situate myself in life. Cool. And so I think that's just what it was. Everyone else in my family wanted to be the best. My mom was a, ran track and she would always tout about her medals. My brother played football and ran track. My uncle went to college for football on a scholarship. People, you know, my cousins, basketball, some of my cousins are in the NFL. And me, all of my trophies were brain roll, academics. That was kind of what it was. And they would talk about their tournaments and their games. And I would just tell them that I was smarter than them. <laughs> and I had that had back up. <laughs> So I love this, you know, I'm picturing sort of young Octavia in her family of extremely talented athletes with your academic awards. And how did you choose to study computer science? You know, why not? Why not business? Why not finance? Why not biology and pursue a medical career? Why why computer science for you? So I think, first of all, I didn't know anything about business and finance, and I thought it was boring. I never wanted to be that person, even though I am now the person to walk around with a briefcase and a suit. I mean, growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, business people were just boring. And so I never studied med. I could not do pre-med because I don't like blood and I don't like touching other people. Um, And I think what it was, I went to school. Honestly, when I when I when I went to Spelman, I went to Spelman for pre-law and political science. I wanted to be a congresswoman because that was when the Congressional Black Caucus was like a big thing. And we saw all these wonderful black women who were really making a change and making a difference in the world. Right. And so I wanted to be a congressman, a congresswoman. I saw Maxine Waters and Corrine Brown. And those are the women who I wanted to be like. So I went for political science. Freshman year political science, I fell asleep. It was boring. I couldn't deal with it at all. And so what I decided to do, I've always been really good at math. I was a top student in my high school for mathematics. I actually won the mathematics awards, traveled, did all these competitions and stuff. And so... I did not want to be a math major because I did not want to teach math. So went to schedule to go to a computer science one-on-one class. And when I was in the computer science one-on-one class, finished all my work really quickly. And the professor asked me what my major was. And when she asked me what my major was, I was from political science and she laughed in my face. 
And then she asked me to consider changing my major. And um, just long story short, I, I'm very grateful for her because that was my freshman year. There was a lot of back and forth with my mother because my mother wanted me to be an attorney. But at the end of the day, computer science was the thing that is where I found my niche. And I was pretty good at it. So that is awesome. One of the details that I'm noticing in your story is that when you took your CS 101 class, that was a class that was taught by a woman. And she specifically went to you and said, Octavia, have you thought about majoring in computer science? Because you're really good at it. That's so cool. So there's been a thread. and It's very interesting. There's been a thread of women in my life. So that's, that's, that's a good call out. You know, just out of curiosity, because I grew up in a family with a lot of attorneys, my father, an attorney, told me that he thought I should not be an attorney. I am (laughs) curious to know if you've ever regretted that decision, if you've ever thought, oh, maybe I could have been a lawyer. Um, no. So my best friend is uh, she's actually one of the top uh, attorneys in the city of Atlanta. And I actually witnessed one of her trials and the theatrics that happened in a courtroom. I'm so glad that I decided not to be an attorney. I think that takes a special person and maybe I would have been very good at it. But I think now that I'm and I don't know if it's security that makes me cynical. I don't know. But I just can't lie like that. I'm not the same. My best friend lies. You know, I, I do see both sides of it. And it's just not for me. So no, I don't regret it. I'm very glad that I made the decision to listen. That's cool. And to me, what that says when you say, hey, you know, I'm not a good liar. That to me says that you are a person of integrity. Octavia, I'd love to learn a little bit about your transition from college to the workforce. How did you decide to work at Freddie Mac? And it seems to me like Perhaps you were accepted into a special rotational program. Do I understand that correctly? I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so Freddie Mac had a rotational program. As I said, going to Spelman, I was political science. I just got drafted, if you may, to be in computer science and mathematics. And I really didn't have any forethought to what that meant as far as a career. Right. My entire life, I grew up thinking, become an attorney, then go into Congress and you're going to be a congresswoman for the rest of your life. So when I changed my major, I really didn't know what that meant. I didn't I did not know the path. So I as I was interviewing my junior and my senior years. I was really looking for programs that would give me the opportunity to explore. Because if I did not find that, then I was going to just stay in school forever. And so Freddie Mac actually had a a wonderful rotation program. And I thought I was going to, you know, I thought I wanted to do database administration because my research in college was multimedia database bioinformatics. And multimedia uh, bioinformatics is not the same as database administration. And I thought it was. So, so I, I want to, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. What is some multimedia bioinformatics? What yeah, is so it's, Yeah. So it's multimedia uh, database bioinformatics is really taking 
you know, chemicals and, and cells and things and really try to make data models. So it's really what you, you think about now as data and analytics, like medical data and analytics. That's what it was then. But because we didn't have a DNA, there was no such thing as modeling data, you know, modeling cryological cells in a database or any kind of analytics there at that time. Because this was, I graduated at college in 2006. So we created it. So we had data people who were interested in databases and how to actually manipulate data from a table and schema perspective. And then we had chemistry majors and medical students who were trying to figure out how do you actually keep all of the all these models and organize them. And so it was really groundbreaking. And I didn't realize that we were actually doing data and analytics at the time, but that's really what it is. That is really cool. <laughs> so I just listened to a podcast. I'm obsessed with this podcast called The Prof G Show. It's this guy, Scott Galloway. He's like a professor of marketing at Columbia. And he recently interviewed Eric Schmidt, former chairman and CEO at Google. And Eric is talking all about data analytics and actually the application to biology and to healthcare and also to education. So Wow, that is so cool that that's what you were focused on in the early 2000s. I interrupted you. You said you were doing multimedia database bioinformatics. You realized that that wasn't actually exactly the same as database administration. Now it's clear that database administration and data analytics are very different. And then you were just looking for a role where you could learn about a lot of different things and and try a lot of different things. Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. If, if it wasn't database administration, if it wasn't that, I didn't know, right? So I decided, I, I chose Freddie Mac. I had about six job offers coming out of college and I chose Freddie Mac specifically because it had a college rotation program. And like I said, I did not want to get stuck somewhere that I hated. And so Freddie Mac was a really good move for me because the first thing that part of their rotation program, they actually send you through, through technical training. For the first six weeks, you are in a heads down, you have textbooks and notes and homework and everything. It's like you're back in college and you're only with your actual team one day out of the week until you start your rotation. It's they put you through this like, yeah, I know that college taught you, but we want to ensure that you know what we need at Freddie Mac. And I think that was the best decision that I made because I learned the technical training that I received at Freddie Mac and the and it wasn't necessarily mentorship, but it was kind of like I had what I call senseis at Freddie Mac. There was this one particular um, guy who's uh, his name is Chung Yao Kuo. He was a really older gentleman, kind of, you know, very short and he was from Taiwan. And he taught like if he thought that you didn't know something, he sat there, he tried to teach you. And he was very patient and, and, and we just called him Master Quo because he was the person who was very much, very influential in a lot of the college hires that came through the networking team. That's pretty cool. What an incredible experience. And, you know, you mentioned you would plan to be an attorney. You would plan to be a congresswoman. You know, when that didn't turn out to be the path you took, you weren't quite sure what to do. You might have just actually continued maybe in graduate school. And how cool that, you know, your first six weeks at Freddie Mac was actually more school, more technical training. 
Octavia, you, you've shared with us that every company in your career has taught you something. Can you tell us a little more about what were the tracks that you did as part of that rotational program? And then where did you go from there? Tell me a little bit about the progression of your career at Freddie Mac and some of your takeaways from your experiences there. Yeah, so um, the rotation program that I went through, and I think there were, there were three places that I landed that I went through. One was database administration. They sent me there first. Again, I hated it. It was just me executing, copy, paste, enter all day long. Then we went through voiceover IP. It was at the time when we were transferring from digital to VoIP. And so I was working with PBXs and ACLs and kind of, you know, dealing with a lot of the voiceover IP equipment and the and the um, polycoms is what I dealt with a lot there. And then we actually went, the last part of the rotation was application support. And application support, again, became a lot of repetitive execution of things. And so at the end of the rotation, we had a choice to choose which part of the rotation we wanted to stay in. And again, databases were very repetitive. I did not see myself staying there. Application support, honestly, I didn't understand anything they were talking about. So I decided to stay in voiceover IP. And so the reason I decided to stay in voiceover IP is because they were working on a project. And the project was going from digital to actual voiceover IP. And so I was, you know, installing phones on people's desks, taking phones, programming the phones, pulling cores, pulling wires, and, and you just imagine, it was just out of school too. So I, you know, I still hadn't learned that you shouldn't wear, you know, four inch stilettos in, in a skirt in a data center, right? While you're trying to lift a full server, like that was fun. So I, I did a lot of work there. And then when I, when we finished that project to kind of convert over, they put me on the project to audit the ACLs, the access control list. And I learned so much about security just by managing those access control lists and how to ensure that we don't have crosstalk and how am I ensuring that only certain servers or certain routers can actually connect out and how I need to actually get back over to, to the voice switch and the data network and separate in the data network from the actual network where users were on. And so it was very fascinating to me. But in six months, I had done the work that they had planned for me to do in a year. And so cool. um, so my, my manager at the time, it was a woman named Babs Kadoy. And Babs came to me and she said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I, I know I like networking. I want to stay here, but I want to learn. And she said, OK, well, what I'll do is I'll talk to one of my colleagues and we'll see what we can do because I really want you to stay in networking because I'm the only woman here. She was at the time, she she was a manager of voiceover um, IP team and she really was the only woman in the department. <laughs> so uh, she wanted to keep me. And it was a really good opportunity because there was a, there was a guy that was leaving out of the network security team to go take on a larger role. And he recommended that I come over to the network security team. And 
at the time, you had to have at least five years experience in a CISSP to come to the network security team and to work on anything on a perimeter. And they actually went in and made a case to the senior director that was over the data networking department that it would be better for me to actually be on that team. It was saved in the budget costs. They lowered the position and they actually gave me a chance and I loved it and I flourished. So it was, you know, by half a sense, but it was always someone tapping, always had someone to say something to kind of pull me up. Amazing. And now, of course, you have not only your CISSP, but also your GISP, GCWN, GSLC, GIAC certs. So, you know, a, a quick glance at your LinkedIn profile, you know, tells anyone that you've continued to be a lifelong learner. Good for you, Octavia, and good for them too. Obviously, that was a good choice and an investment to make. Absolutely. Octavia, it sounds to me like you had some great opportunities, some great mentorship at Freddie Mac. What was it that led you to decide to leave Freddie Mac and pursue something different? Yeah, um, for me, leaving Freddie Mac was all about family. Um, we had recently had, so my son was born in 2010. Um, I left Freddie Mac in uh, 2011, in January of 2011. And really, you know, when you are, when it's just you and your spouse, um, it's easy to be away from family. Matter of fact, you 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 say, hey, we want to be on our own. We don't really want to be close to family. Um, we want to be able to explore so we can do whatever we want to do. But the moment you bring another life into the world, it really becomes about, you know, hey, I want my my child to know who their grandparents are. And, you know, we want to be able to call and want, you know, to be able to visit. And leave, living so far away from from our family. So we're from Florida. My family's from Fort Lauderdale. My husband's family is from Northern Florida, um, a place called Jasper, Florida. Um, and so being so far away in Northern Virginia was very hard for us to think about continuing to raise a family away from our family. So my husband, he was like, it's time to go. I love Freddie Mac kicking and screaming. If I still lived in Virginia, I don't know if I would still be working for Freddie Mac. I probably would. I know several of my rotation, my college rotation peers that came in with me, they are still at Freddie Mac because it's it's just that good of a company. But but yeah, I left because of my family. And that's the reason, that was the only reason I left. Awesome. I too have actually made every single one of my career moves in my career uh, because of a personal reason, more so than a professional one. So you found yourself at New York Life. Uh, what was that like for you? And in particular, you've said that at each stage in your career, you learned something. What would you like to share with our listeners that you learned at New York Life? Yeah. So at New York Life, I learned leadership. So I say at Freddie Mac, I learned technology and to be more technical. At New York Life, it was all about leadership and how to how to hone in on your personality in order for you to really um, become the leader that you want to be. And so I would say that was the the main staple 
at New York Life. Yeah, incredible. As I was preparing for today's talk, I was looking over your profile and your biography. Your most recent role at New York Life was corporate vice president of network and security operations. So I can see, you know, from your resume that you developed leadership there. And then most recently, you are now at Equifax. Is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners about your most recent move? Yeah, so I recently left New York. It can't be recently now because uh, in September, it was officially a year. New York Life, like I said, great company. The leaders there were phenomenal and really trying to do a broad stretch of, I want to develop as many leaders as possible. And that's kind of what they did at New York Life. And I left there because I felt as if I stopped growing. And that was one of the things that I had to come to to reconcile is when you get to a point where there is nothing more to learn, there is nothing more that you feel as if you can do. I mean, you're, you're giving and giving up a company, but there's nothing being given to you. Then I, you have to make some tough decisions or whether or not you're going to stay for comfort or are you going to leave for growth? And that's kind of why I left New York Life. I became a, a member of Equifax, I guess you can say, because I wanted to learn strategy. Cool. And I needed to ensure that I was being more strategic and not so technical. And that, and that is what Equifax is teaching me, honestly, understanding business, understanding PL, understanding strategy. Um, and while I still can play around sometimes with my technical know-how and I can influence because I am technical and I do understand exactly what the networking team is saying. And when they log into our router, I can tell them exactly where to go. I don't have to be the one doing it or responsible or accountable for the outcomes. Yeah. And, but I can help the business and enable the business and ensure that we are as secure as possible so that Equifax and our business and our sales team can continue to make revenue. It's a different position, but it's a good position for growth. Incredible. That's awesome. Octavia, another topic I want to talk to you about is, you know, you and I were prepping for this podcast and we were talking about us being in our mid to late thirties and, and having a lack of women mentors in the industry when we started out, you know, no LinkedIn, you know, not the same type of access that perhaps, you know, folks have when they're starting out today. I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about Augustus Redefined. What is it? Why did you start it? And, and how do you feel about it? So Augustus Redefined is an organization. It's, it's really my company that I created because I just wanted to put every awesome Black woman in cybersecurity that I knew together. I found that I was the main glue and the main person that a lot of people knew. But outside of me, they didn't know anyone else that was like them. And so I was sitting there one day and I just made a list of all of the women that I knew in cybersecurity, particularly all the Black women I knew in cybersecurity. And I, I came up with a list of about 40 women and I started realizing that every time I talk to them, they always say that I am their only, you know, the only person that they know, the only Black woman that they know that's, that's within cyber. So one day I decided that I was going to 
get everybody together for let's just get together and do a dinner and some drinks and let's just hang out. And the invitation went to so many people. And it was, you know, Aoife and I actually, who you mentioned earlier, I was talking to her and I said, you know, this thing is kind of growing out of control. I thought it was going to be like 10 of us and we're, we're up to like 60 right now. Why don't I just make this official? And I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this official and I'm going to file for, you know, an LLC and we're going to call it Augustus Redefine. And the reason that I chose Augustus Redefine is, you know, you asked me earlier about my brother and I don't know if you caught on to it, but I, I was speaking about my brother in past tense. So my brother, his name is Octavius uh, Johnson. My name was Octavia Johnson. And my brother, uh, he and I were raised the exact same way, but he took a different path where, you know, he, he was smarter than I was, but he decided that he did not, that he was too smart for school. He didn't, he didn't want to do it. And so he went down a very, very dark path that I really didn't understand. And long story short, my brother was murdered in 2005. And so my father, and that kind of comes full circle because my father's, his name is Alfred Augustus Johnson. And he named my brother and myself because he was um, very, very in tune with where his middle name came from, Augustus. And he really liked the story of the Roman Empire. And so he named his children Octavia and Octavius. Octavius, in particular, was the name of Caesar Augustus before he changed his name to Augustus. And so in looking at what Caesar Augustus accomplished and the story behind you know, what happened after Julius Caesar died, when he was murdered by Brutus, the only heir that he had was his nephew, Octavius. Mm. And Octavius decided that he wasn't going to rule the same way that his uncle ruled. And, you know, his uncle was a dictator and ruled with an iron fist. But Octavius was actually going to work with his friends. And he appointed his friends as ambassadors and generals. And generals actually went in and they expanded out across different regions that was close to the Roman Empire at the time. And when they expanded out, those generals actually went in, some they conquered, but they actually made peace with everyone that was in the Roman Empire. And during the time of Caesar Augustus's rule, it expanded the Roman Empire above anything else that they could do before. And so really Augustus redefined the Roman Empire and what they were about just because he used his friends and, and to kind of expand out. So in the same way that Augustus redefined the Roman Empire, we decided to name Augustus Redefined as we're redefining the cybersecurity industry as Black women who are seen as unicorns, but we are actually equipped to go out and build bridges instead of building silos. And so that's what Augustus Redefined is. It's incredible. I, I did notice... I thought to myself in the middle of our podcast, should I ask Octavia about this? And I, I decided not to, not yet. Now that you're sharing the story with us, and thank you so much for sharing it with us. I remember that you told me about it when you and Ife and I met the first time. 
I think it's incredible. I think it's powerful. And I can see with my own eyes firsthand the legacy that you're building. So thank you. Octavia, I have one more question for you, and it's kind of a weird one, but we talked about it before we began, and you said it would be okay. <laughs> it's, it's a question I've actually been asking people that I've been interviewing lately, and the reason I ask is because I think that it's a really interesting way to learn about a person's values and about their character. And the question is, Octavia, after you die at your funeral, what do you want people to say about you? Yeah, I really want people to say, I hope that they would say that I really did everything that I could to help to not close the door behind me. That instead of just leaving the door cracked, I blew the door off the hinges for those who are coming behind me. Incredible. Octavia, thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your contributions to the industry. I cannot wait to see what the next five and 10 and 20 years holds. Uh, and, and just thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. It's my pleasure. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.